what's up? My name is Christy and I am the host of Awaken the Extraordinary. Welcome to the Storyteller Series. At a time when I feel like so much of the world's focus is about that which makes us different and that being a bad thing and ultimately dividing us, I want to focus on that which we have in common. Because when we focus on that, we cultivate a sense of connection. And when we feel connected, that creates the foundation that we can build relationships on. And when we have relationships with people who we think are different than us, and we realize we actually have stuff in common with them, we're more likely to be more tolerant, more compassionate, more kind, more empathetic. And that's the kind of world I want to live in. So that's why I created the Storyteller series. And I really hope you stick around for this episode because I'm pretty sure you're going to benefit from hearing it. On today's episode, I chat with Rick Weary, and um, this was pretty cool. Rick actually reached out to me on Instagram. I don't know how he found me. And to be honest, I don't know how, <laughs> how you found me unless I knew you personally. Um, but I'm so glad that somehow our paths on Instagram crossed. Thanks likely to that algorithm thing. Rick reached out to me and asked to come on the podcast and shared a little bit about his story. And I went and creeped on his Instagram and probably within like five to 10 seconds, I was like, there's no way I wouldn't want to talk to this guy. Um, I don't want to share too much about his story. Um, I want you to hear it directly from him. However, what I will share is that he had a life altering event occur and he had challenges and struggles and he had triumphs. And based on the conversation that he and I had, I really feel that what he has gained through this entire experience since that incident shaped him into a person that the world needs. And I feel so blessed to have connected with him. I feel so blessed to have been able to have a conversation with him and learn more about him and just what he was feeling and what he was experiencing. And I can't wait for you to listen to the episode. And I, of course I say that all the time because it's my podcast and I want you to listen, but this episode, it just means a lot to me. Um, I told my husband before I started chatting with Rick, I said, I really feel like I'm going to cry. And I did get emotional a couple of times, but then I just cried after our call ended, um, because I was just so moved and so touched and I know you will be too. So as I said, just thank you for coming on. I feel it's just super honored to be able to have this conversation with you. And I would love to know just about you, because like I said, I don't really know anything about you. I, I know a little bit about you as of 2008. Right. But, uh, if you can just kind of give us a cliff's notes or give me a cliff's notes version as to just kind of your backstory. 
All right. Well, like I said, um, my name is Rick Weary, and I grew up uh, in a small farming community in Utah. And when we say small communities, we, we get it by if we have a stoplight. And, uh, you know, <laughs> yes. we didn't have a stoplight in our town. And, you know, I grew up working hard, you know, um, on the farm. I loved to, to play sports. I've always loved sports. And um, that was my, Christy, that was my way of getting out of work. So I could, go, <laughs> I could be like, oh, I've got football practice. I don't have to milk cows. That's, and so, yeah, I mean, I grew up. creative. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, just grew up. Uh, and then um, I, I went to college. I met um, my wife. I I was uh, in the construction field, mm-hmm. and that's when I met my wife, my you know sweetheart wife. Um, so then we uh, in 2007 we got married, and life was good. You know, I mean, our first goal was to get into a house, mm-hmm. and we found this program. It's for rural communities. And it's where you actually work on your house um, okay. and you hopefully build equity and get into the house fairly affordable. And, um, you know, we were married for a year, my wife and I, and um, one night we were working uh, on, it's actually not this house that I'm in now, is two doors down. Okay. We were oh, working wow. two on doors this. Down. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we were working on this house. And um, now, Chrissy, I hope I don't sound like Tim the Toolman Taylor, you know, like a klutz. But I was, you know, like I was framing up a wall and I shot, was building it with a, a, a nail gun. And I, mm-hmm. that nail gun, I shot the nail gun and it, it missed the wood and landed like in the web of my thumb. Oh. And, and I was a I was a tough guy, you know, and and I was trying to act tough like it didn't hurt. I had my friend Zach, who was working with me, pull out the nail. And so when he pulled out the nail, I was just looking at it, uh-huh. and for some reason, I went lightheaded. Oh yeah. Now again, I said I was I grew up on a farm, so blood and you know, you know, gory stuff really didn't phase me, but for some reason. Looking at my thumb, I got lightheaded. Well, I mean, because it's and it's so you, I decided I was going <laughs> like, yeah, to yeah, yeah. That's looking back exactly, and so my natural instinct was to get a drink, and so and I probably should have should have just sat down and you know, but I started walking across the floor to get a drink, and as I was walking, I passed out. And earlier that day, um, now this is in uh, March, so it's cold here in Utah. Mm-hmm. Earlier that day, we had done some work in the basement, and we had done some work on the main floor. We had cut the hole out in the floor to build the stairs. But we would not yet built those stairs. Mm-hmm. Really, you're just going to get a hole in the floor. And at that very moment, I passed out. I tipped over and fell into this small hole where the stairs go and literally just tipped all the way over and landed straight down on my skull. Oh my God. And you know, that's the story from my first life. I, 
I say I lived two lives because yeah. I lived my life before I was in a wheelchair and after being in a wheelchair. Oh my gosh. Oh my God. Like, I, I, I mean, it just, when you're telling me the story and you know, your friends pulling it out, it, it makes me think, I, I think I just listened to the podcast too with Steve-O from that, that show Jackass. Like, I'm like, oh, that sounds like something they would do actually okay. intentionally, you know? Um, and I just thought that was a separate incident. I didn't realize like, as you were telling the story that that was what led to you having part two of your life. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yep, exactly. Okay. So, so here I am. I had just woken up in the basement and we had shoveled some of the snow out and it had melted a little bit. Um, so we were, really, I was just laying in kind of a puddle of ice because okay. it had melted and then refroze. So I was like just laying there and, you know, kind of, I wasn't thinking of like the word scenario. I'm like, just, okay, you know, we'll get out of this. So then my friend just, you know, straightened my body out because I was actually like gurgling the water, you know, in the basement and, you know, it was freezing cold and he straightened my body out and I, and he said, don't move no matter what, you know, and just, and then he called the ambulance. The ambulance came and, you know, I stayed in the Richfield hospital until they could find a lifelight to lifelight me up to Provo, Utah. And at 11 o'clock on my, so this is weird. I have two dates that I don't forget. Uh-huh. March 9th is my, uh, the, the day I broke my neck and March 10th or yeah, March 10th is my one year anniversary. So oh. at 11 o'clock, one hour before my one year anniversary for my wife, oh she my. kissed me goodbye. And I flew a uh, lifelight up to the Provo hospital, you know, and that's kind of really where I really got the sense of this is serious, you know? So when you, when do you know how much time, Rick, like how much time elapsed between when you fainted and fell and then when you woke up? Uh, I really don't yeah. know how mu- how long that was. It was probably just seconds. Yeah. You know, I, pro- I just woke up in the basement. Zach was already there and he, he had climbed down the same hole, you know, he's my friend. Mm-hmm. and that was working with me. So probably not very long at all. Um, and then when you came to, what were you feeling? I mean, were you feeling anything? Like, did you have a recollection? Because I know sometimes when people experience like physical trauma, they, they just kind of black out and they don't remember anything. So when you came to, I mean, what were you thinking? What were you like feeling like physically? Um, probably the, the scariest moment that I like really, um, can remember because you're right. I did black out a lot of things. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember the ambulance ride from my house to the hospital, just talking with 
Zach, who was riding with me, and I remember telling him that I couldn't feel my legs. And I was like, I'm like, that can't be good. That was just saying as like a joke. Because yeah. like, I'm like, well, this too, you know, this will pass. And tomorrow, you know, I'll, I'll be back to work and everything will be normal. But yeah, I mean, I, there was one thing you're, you're I kind of we brought that up because there was a police officer who was actually one of the first people on the scene. And, and that was, this was, I think, 14, 13 or 14 years ago. And I'd never talked to him. And he, I ran into this guy a couple weeks ago and he was just telling me he was telling me a lot of things that I didn't remember mm -hmm. or you know just kind of chose not to remember so mm -hmm. kind of crazy yeah so I I was dating someone I we were young um 18 and he got into a car accident on um, back in San Diego is a 163. So it's this beautiful highway that goes past the San Diego zoo. It's, it's gorgeous. And he hit a tree head on at like 65 miles an hour. And he was in a drug induced coma for about a week. He shattered every bone in his face. Um, and when I saw him, I just never realized that someone's head could actually get that big just because of all the swelling. Um, but when he eventually came to, he remembers parts of the night before, but he doesn't remember anything about that, that morning. Um, I mean, really nothing until he came to in the hospital and was like, what in the, the heck am I doing here? Um, and that was the first time in my life I'd ever really heard of that happening, whether it's some sort of physical trauma and your, your mind is just, it, it blocks it out from either the pain or just, I don't know, maybe the fear, like the, the entire experience. So yeah, I was wondering if, if that was the case for you too. Yeah, I would, I would say, you know, the most that that happened was, um, in rehab or well before rehab when I was in the ICU and Part of it was, like you said, drug-induced coma because mm -hmm. I was the same way. Okay. Um, I would just wake up and get little glimpses because, again, we talked about um, I fell. I was in I, I was in the ice cold water in the mm -hmm. basement, and what that did is uh, I caught pneumonia that night. Oh my god! And then so now, if you can imagine, like um, being paralyzed from the chest down and some of my lungs aren't functioning the same way now i'm becoming paralyzed so that was probably the closest thing to killing me was the pneumonia because you know being paralyzed you'll still survive or whatever but now i have to fight off this mucus and stuff in my chest and you're not able to move yeah so they would they, they would put me in a coma as soon as I wake up because they wanted to keep my neck stable yeah. and everything. And, and yeah. I would just wake up and just in and out, you know, and, and I had glimpses of things just that I probably don't want to remember. And maybe that's my brain just mm -hmm. being, you know, like being smart. Cause yes. yeah, I, re I remember. Yeah. Family around, and I remember um, 
just laying there for basically, I think I was in the, in the, just fighting the pneumonia and really I didn't start doing rehab for like two weeks. So if you imagine how fast your body will just atrophy, Oh yeah. you know, and I remember, oh. remember like, um, like uh, laying on my back and I, my nose itched and I'm not used to being paralyzed. And I remember going to scratch my nose and my tricep muscle was so weak and paralyzed and it was partial, like it's partially on the line of being paralyzed because I'm paralyzed from my chest down. Okay. So I had partial triceps. I remember scratching my nose and my hand just fell on my face. Oh my I didn't gosh. have the strength to like lift it off. Wow. And just, oh, that was like, that was one of the moments like, oh, this is going to be hard. Yeah. You know? Wow. I would have never thought about that. I mean, it makes sense, but again, it's just like something that you, you don't think about in situations yeah. such as this, you know, because you think, oh, chest down, but my arms are still, they should be fine. Um, so right. when you were, yeah. when you were in the ambulance, you know, and you were telling your friend, like, I can't feel my legs, like, that's not good. Did, was there, I mean, I know you said you were kind of joking. Was there any thought though, in your mind at that time, or even, you know, yeah. once you got to the hospital that like, you know what, this, no this might really not be, uh, yeah, I don't want to say good thing, but like, Maybe this is something that's not going to change. Yeah. I mean, the first glimpse that I realized that was, like you said, when I, like I said before, the glimpse I really caught that like, this is serious was in the ICU looking down at my body, just atrophied and just realizing this could be permanent, you know, and that was, scary oh yeah i i can only imagine um okay and was your wife there at that time was she able to be with you uh yeah i mean she she wasn't the only spot uh she wasn't with me was um when i flew up they would they wouldn't allow her in the helicopter so she had to drive up but i mean that uh Christy, my wife is the reason I'm here before you today. Like I would not have made it through life. I, you know, I probably wouldn't have wouldn't have made it this far without her. And like I said, she was there through everything. You know, I mean, she was there helping me when I needed help. She was there telling me I didn't need help when when <laughs> I would ask. Sometimes she was that person. Mm-hmm. You know, like. Hey, uh, you can do that yourself. You know, sometimes the hard things too, you know? Yeah. And really, I, like I said, I owe so much to my wife. Just, you know, she's, she's, uh, she, you know, the, the marriage term for better or worse, you know, we had a good year for better. And then at that time it was for worse. Yeah. it was. She stuck through it. Well, I think, you know, I mean, it sounds, and, and just from what I've seen too, I mean, she seems so, so supportive, a, a true partner in every sense of the word. Um, 
but I mean, helping you through that while, you know, like I was just thinking like, oh my gosh, I would love to talk to her too, just to get her perspective and what she was feeling and experiencing because, you know, yes, of course, this this is a huge change for you. And, and it's, you know, something that absolutely is life-changing, but it's also life-changing and impactful for her as well. And so I'm just thinking about how amazing it is for her and people like her to be able to be so supportive of you and people experiencing similar challenges. And at the same time, being able to like reconcile and work through all of that stuff that, that they're going through, because that's, that's still hard too. It's hard in a different way, but it's still hard. Yeah, exactly. Um, one of my, uh, so I, I don't know if I told you this, but I'm writing a book kind of about my story. And in one of the chapters, um, I, it's, it talks a lot about my wife, Tara in this chapter. And, um, the story, the, the title chapter is, it's not just my story, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I, like my wife is number one on that, you know, list, but that's what my book is mostly about is like people who have kind of brought me out of depression or anxiety, people who have helped me um, get through uh, hard times. Yeah. So I know like, and it's called red letter day, right? Right. Okay. Yeah. I was, I was stalking your Instagram a bit too. <laughs> um, okay. okay. So when did they tell you like that, that news that you were paralyzed from the waist or from the chest down? Um, I, I had a lot of like, um, thinking that I would be now I don't know how to say this delicately, but I, I, um, I thought I was just going to be a miracle and I was going to be like, I'm going to walk again, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I was in denial a lot. Yeah. Like this, this isn't going to happen to me. This can't happen to me. This happens to other people, not me. Right. Exactly. And, and I was that way. Yeah. I was that way for sure. But I was, I was, I would do things, um, for instance, like now I just cook my own meals and eat them, you know, whatever, you know, or I can get by feeding myself, you know, I use a fork, whatever for mm-hmm. my meals. But at the time when we got to eat, my wife would like spoon feed me, yeah. which I know it sounds, but I would be like, I'm not going to learn how to do that because I'm going to get better soon and it won't be, you know, I I won't need to worry about that. My hands will all of a sudden work, you know? And so I, that was kind of a, a, it hurt me in a sense to my progression, but it helped me. um, It helped me keep hope. You know, I mean, I always told myself, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to walk again. I'm going to be a miracle. But like, I guess the thing that I think was just surviving in general is, is my miracle, you know, being here today is a miracle. Well, and I think being able to, to maybe accept that this, this, 
these are your circumstances. And I, I mean, I too understand the thought, like I'm going to be one of those people where they are told that they're never going to be able to walk again. And they walk again. You, you see that, you know, you do. So I understand like thinking, well, why couldn't that be me? You know, like I would have never thought this happened to me. Why can't that be me? So I understand that. But then I also like understand the, the difficulty in just kind of working through that and realizing like, okay, maybe, maybe I'm not going to be a miracle in that way, but maybe I can take this and look at it. Yeah. I survived there. There is definitely a chance that I couldn't have survived that I did. And then using, using the situation to motivate and inspire other people, because like I said earlier, I mean, the fact that it was just this, this freak accident, you know, I mean, and what, again, what it, what it started from, and then looking at where you are now and, and what you've had to work through. I mean, I, I think that's a miracle. I think that's absolutely inspiring. So how long were you in the hospital? So I was in uh, the ICU for about three weeks. Okay. And then uh, I, I moved into uh, a rehab unit mm-hmm. where they kind of do how to survive. Uh, basically, they, PT and OT comes right. in. And when you talk about inspiration, I had a nurse come in and she changed my outlook on, on life, right. I guess, I at the point. When we talk about red letter days, um, she uh, she came in to my room one night, and, and my wife would be with me all day, but they made her go sleep um, in a like an apartment next to the hospital. Oh, and so here I was alone. My sleep schedule was always messed up, so I'd be sleeping tired during the day, sleep wide awake at night. And so this nurse became pretty close to me and she came in one night. Um, She could tell that I was just kind of going through the motions Mm -hmm. and she brought in a calendar and a red marker. And she said to me, anytime you do something today or tomorrow that you couldn't do yesterday, we're going to write it down in the calendar in red letters. And I, at first I thought it was cheesy, but we were writing down simple things. Um, for instance, we would write down today, Rick learned how to drink out of a drinking fountain again, you know, because the day before I'd get frustrated or something, I would always track like how far I could push in my wheelchair, you know? And so a red letter day was like being able to push to the end of the hall without help. And then, like, we started writing these things down, and eventually they got bigger. And, you know, I started, instead of looking at things of, like, what what being depressed of things I couldn't do, I looked at, like, how am I going to get to that point where I can do that? Yeah. And eventually, you know, I guess it kind of gained a little bit of momentum. Mm -hmm. And we were just, like, filling up the calendar with, silly things, but also like, whoa, you couldn't do that. And I, and I would like, I had like, 
before I broke my neck, I just solved all my issues with like grit strength, you know, like if I couldn't do it, I'll just pound the hammer harder, you know, <laughs> and now I had to like change and like think of how to do things with my brain, you know, like mm -hmm. one of the most frustrating things that they would do. And I don't know if you've noticed, but my hands are paralyzed. So I can rotate my wrists, okay. but I can't open and close my fingers. And so, Okay. Like is, so PT. is that Rick? So is that because like, if, if your arms are down, so when they say like chest down, is it because like I said earlier, I would think, well, your arms, everything about your arms and is above your chest, but is it really like if you were standing with your arms to your side, is that how they look at it or? No, it's just really weird. Maybe I'll, after I'll show you a diagram, but Basically, the higher up you break your neck, the worse off. And I broke my neck at C6 vertebrae. Mm -hmm. And it's weird because feeling and function are two different things. So I have feeling, if I can, if I can hold my arms out, okay. I have like a, a layer of like I can feel up here, but I can't feel there. You could draw a line all the way across. So that's like chest down is feeling. But then, like function, um, it's just called a quadriplegic. Uh -huh. And there's like all different, like the, the spine is amazing, you know. Like I remember the PT would, would like my exercise for the day, he would pour out like some MMs on the table, you know. Uh -huh. And he's like, okay, you know, eat some. But I had to like, figure out with paralyzed hands how to manipulate that's my it. hands to pick them up to eat, you know? That's what, and, that's and what I, I know it sounds kind of cruel, but it's like it was the first glimpse of, like, you have to solve things with not strength now. You have yeah. to solve things with your brain and, like, by adapting things, using tools to help you. How are you feeling emotionally through all this? Like, I know you mentioned oh, like feeling depressed and focusing on things that you couldn't do. Um, I, I can imagine like this would, man, th this, this would be hard. And I, for a lot of people, just knowing what you were capable, physically capable of doing before and what you didn't need help with or what you didn't need to learn because you learned it when you were a kid. And now having to accept that your life is different in so many ways that physically you're not going to be able to do those same things, or at least in the same way, like how, how are you feeling like inside with all of that? I would definitely have good days and bad days. Um, I uh, I went, ended up doing three months of rehab. Mm -hmm. And then like um, where it really hit me the hardest was when I came home, my wife would go to work, kind of needed to be watched, so to speak, you know, mm -hmm. needed to have somebody around in case I needed anything. My wife would go to work and, you know, she'd come home and I really didn't have a lot of things to look forward to. I was, I was on, I, was, I just watched TV yeah. and the, you can only watch so much daytime TV. 
Yeah, before I feel every, like just losing brain cells. <laughs> right. Yeah, and and um, I was just at the at my bottom, you know, like rock bottom, and I had a I had these thoughts and tendencies, you know. Um, I was like, I, I didn't didn't feel like I was um, like I didn't want to keep the fight, you know, and. So I made a plan, you know, and I, I hope this is okay, but I to mention, but I, you know, I kind of made a plan of how I was going to, you know, end it all, I guess. And so what I was, what I do is I'd push in my wheelchair and I'd, I wanted to get alone and I would push. Um, my goal was to get to this spot where I could push myself in a river, you know, and, and it was in my neighborhood and, and I know this is really heavy, but I didn't think I could push that far to get there. But so what I did is I set a goal and I like slowly every day when my wife would come home and tell her, you know, I want to go push by myself and see how far I can go. And the first day I made it like to the corner in my neighborhood. And the second day I made it like to the bottom of this hill and I needed to get up to the top of the hill. So the next day I made it like halfway up this little hill. And eventually the day came where I knew I could probably do it, you know. But it was like a challenge to get up to the hill, you know. And so I kept pushing and, and I made it up to the top of the hill. And I realized that I had set a goal and that I had completed that goal. And I got to the top of the hill. And... And I was at the top and I had a decision to make and I kind of just reflected on my life and everything. And, uh, and that nurse that came to my room said, do something today that you couldn't do yesterday. I realized that I had created like a red letter day, like a real life thing that I couldn't do. And now I can do it. So what I did is I kept pushing around the neighborhood I ended up pushing like close to a half a mile that day. Oh my and I gosh. ended up coming back to our house from the other direction. So I went clear around wow. the block. My wife was sitting like on the porch and she is used to me coming back from this direction. And all of a sudden I had right. come and she was like, <laughs> so proud of me. You know, she's like, she's like, look what you did. You know, like you, you did something that, and she was just like cheering me on and like, so that was like the moment that like really kind of changed my life. But it's also like got me thinking like, if I can't, if I can push up this hill, why can't I push up the next hill and go a little further? Yeah. And like, I just took like obstacles or, or things that I thought I couldn't do. And I've realized that if you break them down, like there's a way for anything to do it. And really, like once I started doing that, the depression just kind of exited exited. Like it was weird because I just all of a sudden, like I found myself thinking about it all day, every day. And then I like my, my brain started thinking about like, what can I do to impress my wife? Or what can I do to impress my friends? Or like, somebody like what what can I do that 
will make me feel proud of the person I am. And little things like just started popping up and that's where your, your brain started, where my brain started going is to like, now I'm thinking about instead of being depressed, I'm thinking about what I can do next. Yeah. Um, thank you. I thank you so much for sharing that with me. Um, I'm so glad that you're here. I'm so glad that you made a different decision. I'm so proud of you for like continuing to push and the way you were describing that and the way you described it now is how I started running. It was just, Oh, okay. I'm going to run to this phone pole today. Okay. I ran to this phone pole yesterday. I'm going to run to the next one. It's just like, like you said, like breaking things down. I, I do have a question about like when you were home, like, were you home all by yourself or was there Uh, someone there? You usually like, like I said, I needed to be kind of watched. Uh And one thing that um, I would do in the early days is my mom would come over and like I said, we got sick of um, um, TV. (laughs) So we thought we would try to learn Spanish. Okay. I, I still got respect for anybody that can speak it, but, but again, like my body was still in recovery mode. Mm-hmm. So my, my mom would be over there and we'd be doing these Spanish lessons That's and I'd cute. fall asleep, you know, like, so, so it was kind of like, I, I bet it was probably frustrating for my mom because, you know, like I'd, she'd we'd be in the middle of the lesson and I'd just be falling asleep. But yeah, I mean, there were times where I'd, I'd be alone, but for the majority of the first maybe six months, I was with somebody all the time. Yeah. And- um, when you, when you started, when, when you did, okay, let me think of how I want to say this. Like what I, I, I'm just curious, like what, was it where you were like, I just, I'm just done. Like, was it, I'm tired of feeling this way. Or I know a lot of people feel like they're a burden to other people. Like, what was it? And maybe there just wasn't one thing. And again, like I said, if you don't want to answer any questions, I absolutely respect that. I would say a little of everything. I did sometimes feel like a burden, but I also felt like, is this, um, what do I have to look forward to? And I think that was probably the, 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 um, the worst part about it is, and and eventually I changed that, you know? Yeah. Um, But like, I was like, well, it's Tuesday, but what was it? last Tuesday, where was I? And I I didn't see any progression for a while and I didn't have something to look forward to. So those red letter days, did you stop tracking those when you left the hospital until you got to the top of the hill and started like reflecting on that? Yeah, I mean, exactly. I kind of, the red letter days was kind of a hospital thing. Mm-hmm. And then I, we, you know, we probably lost the calendar and the marker and whatnot, but it was just the concept, you know, I mean, at the first, 
yeah i mean i like i said i when i came home i just kind of didn't know what to do with my life and and then you know when i when i had that aha moment that i had mentioned before then i'm like you know i mean red letter days can be something bigger so then i started um thinking about you know what if about what if i so i got a hand cycle it's where i pedal with both with hands you yeah know? i've seen that that's pretty cool yeah and so then i got like thinking like man what if i could go and, and usually i was just going around the block you know like what if i could go 10 miles and so like it, it was all of a sudden like i talked about it with my brother-in-law and he's like you know well let's see if we can do it you know and so we we headed out and eventually you know we we did it that 10 miles and i thought you know like this is a story of of um recovery and inspiration and my my buddy my brother-in-law steve was the one that helped me do that and so i was like i need to tell my story you know i mean if i can inspire someone else to just like i said go do it you know if there's something you're want to try find a friend and and go try it you know and that's why like the red letter days kind of picked back up like it's not always about like major accomplishments mm -hmm. to me it's about like the relationships i built with those people that i did my accomplishments yeah yeah and just so and like, those experiences that you're that you're sharing with them and the memories that you're creating and working through all of that stuff together i i completely understand that and i feel like the, those are those are like red letter days them or just red letter experiences i guess you know because i mean there's something that you probably wouldn't have had the opportunity maybe to experience to the same degree, you know, before this, this happened. Yeah. I mean, that's what, like, that's why I want to, I, I like want to get my book out there to the masses because these red letter days are like, they're, they're valuable to me, but it's also like, like when I mentioned my bike ride with Steve, it's not about the 10 miles because that was like my max at the time. And it's, you know, it's what's your changed, max now? It's, what's your max now? Just out of curiosity. Um, I ride in a rooster ride. It's called the rooster ride. Okay. I did it um, a couple months ago and it was 39 miles. Oh my gosh. That is so awesome. It took awesome. me five hours. Yeah. That so. is, so, that is so awesome though. I interrupted yeah. you. I'm sorry. No, you're good. <laughs> Yeah, I, I just like, you know, that's, that's my, that's what my message, I guess, is like, you know, not only try to accomplish something you couldn't do yesterday, but like build relationships in the meantime. Mm -hmm. Have you been in touch with that nurse? No, I, I actually haven't. I don't even, this sounds really bad. I don't even remember her name, you know. Like, I don't think that that sounds but, bad. You were, man, you were going through a lot of stuff. I, I think you were absolutely allowed some grace there. Um, but I'm just like, oh my gosh, like how, 
amazing if you could go back to that facility and like, you know, I don't either give her a copy of the book or dedicate it to her in some way. Like that would, wow. Like that would be so cool because I think like we, a lot of times we don't know if we're making an impact on someone, you know, and especially like on Instagram too, like, you know, you'll, you'll post something that you think is just so motivational or inspiring and it's like crickets, but then you'll have that one person that's like, oh my gosh, like, thank you. I needed this today. And I feel like she, she deserves to know like this. I mean, granted you play a big part in this, right? Like I'm not diminishing that, but to know that she inspired you in some way, I think that would be such an awesome gift for her to somehow be informed of that, you know? Yeah, I, I think so too. And, and nurses in general, uh, I don't know if I told you this, but my wife's job, she's a nurse. You oh, know? So, um, wow. So she, she like um, kind of the same thing. Like the other day we were at a soccer game and my wife, uh, she does labor and delivery and we were at a soccer game and a girl came to her like, Hey, I just want you to know you made my pregnancy so much better. You know, you were such a good nurse. And like you, I got to hand it to nurses, you know? So. Oh yeah. But I think like when, when someone has made something better for you, like it's just so nice to let someone know whether, whether, you're, you're like at a restaurant and someone just provides exceptional service and is just super warm or, or makes your kids like feel super comfortable in the dentist office. I, I could speak to that like a couple of days ago. It's just, just acknowledging people for like their kindness and their compassion and their impact on your life. Like I feel it, it just creates this ripple effect, you know? Yeah. And you're talking about like providing like a, a thank you or a service for somebody. And I think it's kind of interesting because I used to like show my gratitude through like helping someone mm-hmm. like physically, you yeah. know, and now I like, again, I have to kind of change my mindset and I got a cool story for you. If we got time, I don't know. I have but, as much um, time as you want to give me. <laughs> okay. So, so I was in my church, um, we have like, we do a lot of service, you know, mm-hmm. and one of my jobs was to like, you know, I was supposed to like line people up to help like with community projects or whatever. And this family um, that lived in my neighborhood, they were moving to just another house in the neighborhood. And I was the organizer to get people there. So I just finished calling people um, to go and, and I, I knew that I couldn't go move boxes. Um, Mm -hmm. So I was like, what am I going to, how am I going to help? You know, but it was weird because it was, I could over there, but here I was just kind of like feeling bad for myself. And I'm like, what can I do? You know? And it was weird that like, so finally my wife just said, just go over there. If nothing else, you can crack jokes and just, you know, you know, make everybody smile or whatnot. So I, so I went over, like I, I physically moved my body and went over there. And, and then here I'm in my brain saying, why are you going? You can't do anything. And it was interesting because when, as soon as I got there, the, the group 
started moving to the other house and they're like oh just come over there and i'm like oh why did i come you know like i'm just going to be in the way and it was, it was really weird because i just i just said for some reason you were kind of motivated to go just follow through and so i just started going down the street the other direction and i passed this guy in my neighborhood his name's perry and he's an old retired guy and he lives with his wife he keeps his yard immaculate you know and i passed him and i thought you know instead of like going to the house i'll just go visit him mm -hmm. and, and like i became like i used to be the guy that just buzzes past the street and now i'm like hey you know what what are you doing today and i i've had this visit with perry and he was like so he, he like wheeled me all through his yard and was showing me his flowers and that was the the difference i made that day and what was interesting is like and i use this quote i hope hope it's okay but like god doesn't need an able body as much as he needs a willing body exactly and sometimes you've just got to be willing to step outside of your comfort zone you know like go visit somebody you got to be willing to say thank you to the lady in mcdonald's that shoved your food out the door and you know they may not get thank you very much so like when you say thank you like, oh surprised you know yeah um I, <laughs> like i love that story so much um because i feel like so much of how human beings function at least like here in the, the us and it appears to be the case in, in other places as well is like we are just so focused on getting from point a to point b you know like when you said you would just like buzz down the street and i think what people really seem to want is connection and you know that's something that i really didn't have a lot of in san diego like i i would try um but here you know since we moved establishing connections with people has been so easy because i feel like we're around like-minded people who who like that as well who that that is something that they value yeah. but i i totally agree with you in terms of just stepping being willing like you said with that quote like being willing to step outside of your comfort zone and do something that may feel a little uncomfortable because it's not something that you would typically do. Just do it. If, if you have it on your heart and your mind to do it, just do it. And to me, like, just see what happens. And if you feel good, then just go do more of that. And I think it also inspires other people to cultivate that sense of connection. You know, it may be Perry went and talk to somebody that maybe he wouldn't have talked to that day because you chose to talk to him and spend time with him. And I think that really does add that, that adds value to people's lives too, when they're having those real connections. And it's, I think it's hard to kind of push yourself to do that, but I'm, I'm so glad you did. And I, and I'm, I never thought about, you know, like how you said you would show your appreciation, like you know, physically and then knowing, okay, well, maybe I can't do that this way. How else can I add value? How else can I help? How else can I be of service? And just your mind like 
figuring out all of these different ways, like just being creative and figuring out like, okay, well, yeah, I can't do this, but I can do this. I mean, that's something that I hadn't ever thought about either. Yeah. Um, so I got another little lesson. I'm a memoirist. Okay. So, um, <laughs> like I said, uh, so my kids last, it was two years ago. Um, they, they were talking about heroes and stuff in their class and I guess, and they're twins. So they're the same grade. So they were both kind of going over the same topic. And I guess both of them had mentioned that, you know, as an inspiration. Mm. And so their teachers asked me to come speak to their, their grade at school. And, and I, you know, this is what I like to do. I like to, you know, motivational speak, but I talked to all these eight and nine year olds and I told them about the game. Guess who? Do you know that? Have you ever played that game? I, Guess ha who? I haven't. I've seen it, but I've never played it myself. Okay. Well, the strategy of the game is like you pick a, a character and it's on the board in front of you and the, your teammate does the same it's kind of like battleship kind of like you've got okay. to guess your your friend's um character and so you say like things like hey does your character have glasses and they'll say oh no and so so you you tip down all the characters with glasses and does your character have blonde hair and they okay. say yes or no and you you know so you eventually get down to one character and you guess that that's the other character and so to these nine-year-olds, I told them, I said, you know, we're all like this. You know, we all have little unique skills and abilities and talents and traits. You know, if I were to guess who in this classroom, I could eventually pin it down to one person. Mm -hmm. We all have, are so unique as humans. That that's just the way we're built. And so I, well, my inspiration was to these eight or nine-year-olds is how can you use that to better your neighbor or to help help um, a friend. And sometimes it may be, you know, I have this cute smile. And when I smile at people, it helps them smile. Yeah. Or it may be, you know, like I have, I have the gift of gab, Christy, you know this. <laughs> but I have, like, I can just visit with people. And, and, you know, it might make some people's day brighter. And if you can use your your talents and your skills and your traits to better the situation, then, then that's my inspiration. You know, that's what, that's what we need to try to do. I could not agree with you more. I feel like so much of our time is spent looking at other people and comparing ourselves and I think just getting caught in that downward spiral and feeling like, oh, well, I can't do it that way. So why should I even bother? And we never stop to really look at ourselves and how we're unique and how we're special and how the people around us can benefit from that and how the world ultimately can benefit from that. So I love that you're having that conversation with such young kids. I feel like it's so, it's so important. One question popped into my mind when you were saying, when you were saying, you know, the, the conversation, when you're telling me about the conversations with the kids, I feel like you were, you were very reflective and introspective. Do, were you this way before your injury? Like, or 
you know, is this something that maybe was just taken up a couple of notches? Like, I think, I think I have like been forced to de develop it, you know, mm -hmm. like, um, as far as like, um, I'm the guy that's getting out of Walmart and everybody's walking by and they, you know, oh, that's, you know, I have a truck that I get in to drive, you know, and it's kind of like it, the camper shell lifts up. So it's like a, it's like a magnet, you know, and so people mm -hmm. will always come up and, and talk to me about, you know, and so, so the social aspect of like, I was, I was very um, shy before. And so I was kind of forced to be, um social mm -hmm. but on, on on your question also as like as far as reflective i don't know maybe it's just like older and wiser yeah <laughs> i don't know maybe uh i've had more time to like slow down and, and think about the reason why you know why this happened to me yeah and and i know you have kids yep. so you have twins right yeah twins they're nine going on 10. So. Uh-huh. Is that who I've Great. seen one of them in the back? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's Grayson and he's homesick today. Aww. So, and I don't know how sick he is, but he's, you know, he had a little bit of a cough and he got out of school today. So yeah. <laughs> you said that it reminded me of a Ferris Bueller when he's faking the, the temperature. So he, I mean, clearly he's not out partying. I would hope not at his age, but <laughs> yeah. Um, we, we've all like, it's weird. We've all had kind of like, we, we don't feel sick, but like just a cough, you know, and, mm -hmm. and he's maybe we're not the greatest parents because we let him go to soccer last night, but we're like, should we, should we not? And then he went and played and now he's probably paying for it. So, yeah, I think, I don't know. I think as, as parents, you make the decision that feels right in the moment or at least the most right. And then. I think it's totally normal to second guess <laughs> so much stuff. I think it's great yeah, too I, that go ahead, go ahead. No, I was, I was going to start another story. So you're good. Uh, no, I was just going to say, um, I think it's great too, that, that you are so introspective and reflective and, you know, you, you have kids that hopefully will grow up and that's just their, their way of being. I think we need more people tuning into, you know, the hows and the whys and, and the, the what's like just really thinking about things versus just simply acting. And so I'm, I'm really thankful for, for your kids that they have a dad like you too. Yeah, I, I got a really cute story about Grayson. And uh, so when, when we were when they were first born, we had the idea so that I could get to them to put their cribs up on stilts. Mm -hmm. And instead of reaching over, we would open the doors yeah. like a barn door. And we only had time to do one of the two cribs. And so Berkeley was in the Berkeley was in the crib with the stilts. And Grayson was just in a regular crib. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like um, my wife was a nurse and she still is, but she worked nights. And so it was my duty um, oh my to when the kids woke up crying to, you know, come get them, give them a bottle or whatever the case may be, mm -hmm. you know. And uh, one night, um, 
he, uh, Grayson, was crying in his crib. And again, he is on the crib without stilts. Right. Like, like up to this point, I, I hadn't figured out a way to get him out um, of the crib. And Grayson was in there crying, and he wanted the exact same thing I wanted. He wanted to be on my lap. You know, uh-huh. we wanted his dad. And couldn't didn't have the muscles to reach over and lift him up. But I, it was weird because they were, they were at this stage where they weren't, you know, we didn't have a conversation. They weren't talking, you know, but I, I just physically, I, I said the words to Grace and I said, we're going to have to work together on this buddy and looked him in the eye and I got as close as I could to the crib and I like anchored his arm, you know, and, and I reached over and he latched on to my arm, just like a little monkey, you know, and we worked together and he and I like had the strength to to get him over onto my lap. But I I don't know what point my boys ever realized that their dad was different because you know they're born. They came home from the hospital with their dad mm-hmm. and put him on my lap, you know, with and then you know, at some point they realized that their dad is different, you know, and it's not a not a bad thing, not a good thing it's just like we have to do things differently and in that that moment like I always remember that just because like my boys now you know they'll they'll still have to help me a lot you know yeah and it's okay you know I mean we we've learned to adapt and we've played little games where we you know they love baseball so we'll modify it to where I can play with them you know I can pitch to them or play catch with them and so it's just parenting has become just, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's a challenge, but challenges are like, you just got to learn to adapt, you know? And I can, I can relate to that to the best of my ability. You know, as I, as I shared, you know, my, my father-in-law uses a wheelchair is an amputee and, you know, that happened long before my husband came around and um we were talking the other day about um because his dad is just very stoic and doesn't (laughs) doesn't really show any emotion and so we were just talking about you know my husband's childhood and just his dad being his dad and um my father-in-law has not really allowed, you know, being an amputee to, to slow him down. Um, you know, like they would go off-roading, like they were part of a Bronco club, like fishing, just, you know, camping, just all sorts of outdoor stuff. Um, but my husband told me the other day, like, I guess someone had asked him when, because my husband has two sisters, when the the kids were all young, someone had asked like my father-in-law, is there something that, um, you you're you're sad that you're not able to do and I guess he said like yeah I'd love to be able to like run around and like give them a piggyback ride or carry them on my shoulders and it just it did this to me and I was like wow like I never thought about that you know like he's he had different experiences but the things that so many people just naturally do without even, you know, thinking about it, that was something he really 
wish that he could have done and he wasn't able to do it. And then my husband has shared with me, he's like, yeah, you know, there, there are just some things that, you know, I, I wished I could have done with my dad, but I, I knew he was limited and in terms of like his physical abilities. So we did this and we did that. And it just, I'm, it it just gave me a different level of awareness. And I think a, a greater appreciation for people that are able to work through like that adversity and come up with different ways that they can still be involved and engaged and active with their kids. That's not like the traditional thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just like, I really liked how, you know, your father-in-law may not have been able to do one thing, but they had their thing, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And that's kind of the, the way I am with my boys. You know, we have our little activities that we might do instead of, Mm-hmm. somebody else but I think the most important thing is just being there yes absolutely I totally understand and agree um I do have one question for you and this is again because my level of awareness living with my my in-laws is different and then the scope of my day job so is is your home like is it are you able to navigate things like reach for things? Like, is it, I guess, like wheelchair accessible? Because one of the things that I've realized is like, my son is almost five. I don't want scissors. I don't want knives around, but that is where my father-in-law needs them to be able to reach them. And then just thinking like, gosh, when he puts dishes in the sink, you know, he has to reach over him and he doesn't even really have the ability to rinse them out or uh, like taking clothes to the laundry room. Like I just, again, have a different like level of visibility to this. And I'm just like, God, this sucks. You know, like it's sometimes I'm just like, can I just do this? Can I just do this for you? But I know he's very independent. So I'm just wondering like what your home is like, what your experiences have been because I'm just curious. Um, what was really kind of a good thing about the situation is my house at the time was like the, all the exterior walls were done, but none of the interior walls okay. were done. So we did make some changes as far as like we made the room, the doorways bigger. We mm-hmm. made the rooms bigger and less rooms because it was just me and my wife at the time. And um, I have a couple ramps that I go into uh, that I use. My front door looks just like the same of any other house. There's no ramps, but I can go around the back or through the garage. Mm-hmm. Um, recently, we've started to try to finish our basement. And I have, it's actually like a elevator. Okay. It's like a, so it's like a platform that I will onto, and it, goes down the stairs okay but i mean as far as accessible like i the things that i need i can i leave where i can reach yeah so i mean there are some times and situations where i'm like calling my boy to help me get something off the top shelf or something yeah but most of the time i mean everything is wheelchair accessible um 
the pretty roomy, you know, pretty open space mm-hmm. helps a lot. Um, yeah. I guess the the best thing that we did was definitely widen the doorways. Oh stuff. yeah. Well, that was, that was one of the things when, so my in-laws moved down to San Diego from LA. So that was one of the things that when, because they had been in the house in LA forever. Um, so that was one of the things that they looked at that. I mean, it really narrowed their search options down a lot was finding those doorways where, you know, my father-in-law could get through them, you know, utilizing his wheelchair or even just like really like sharp turns, you know, I mean, it's like driving a big car, figuring out what you can navigate. And then this one here, the doorways are wide. Um, you know, there's a roll in shower. I think it's, called like zero level entry into the house. So no stairs. And, um, so that made it very appealing to them, but it's just, it's just interesting. Like the things that you don't think about because you don't have to think about them until you have to think about them, you know? So, I mean, it's definitely like in our house in San Diego, he could not use his wheelchair in our house. And we, we had a couple of stairs that he had to go up and he would use his crutches and it was just, he, he would struggle getting up and I just couldn't watch. He didn't want help. And I just couldn't watch him because it just, it hurt my heart too much to just see him stand there, you know, like to try to go, okay, I can do it. It just, it hurt too much, you know, and, and my husband and my mother-in-law are used to it and they're just like, okay. And I'm just like, no, I just can't, like, it just hurts me too much. So, well, I'm glad you have a home that, that works for you. I know, like it it makes it feel like home. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, good. Um, I want to be again, sensitive to your time. So your book when is that, what stage are you in and when is that coming out? So it's, um, it's the, the writing and everything is complete. The editing is just about complete. And, um, so we're working with a project manager that's helping me self publish. So I'm hoping to have it out at the end of October, like physical copy to hold in my hands. And then also, you know, you could be able to buy on Amazon and stuff. Oh my gosh. That is so exciting. I'm so happy for you. That is. Yeah, I'm definitely, I'm definitely planning on sending you a copy or, or whatever is easiest to get you a copy, but I want you to read it for sure. It's just, (laughs) it's just an inspirational story. Like I said, I, I like to tell stories and inspires and, that's what really motivated me to write my book. I saw the cover photo. Um, so is that blister, the blisters from your hands utilizing the wheelchair? Is that? Yeah. So I play a sport called wheelchair rugby. Oh, that's right. Um, yeah. I play, I play for the, the Las Vegas high rollers and okay. you push like in a, you know, on a gym floor it's a very intense sport. If you ever, there's an, actually a documentary. If you want homework, okay. watch the documentary Murder Ball. I was gonna say, 
say, um, I was that, and that came out a while ago, right? Because I remember yeah. watching that a long time ago. And when you shared that with me that you did that, I told my husband, I'm like, do you remember that movie? We that when Netflix was mailing you DVDs, I think we rented Murderball. Yeah. And I was like, this is intense, man. These guys are crazy. Yeah. So it, that's what so you So it's actually kind of cool because we we ended up winning us or we took second in division two national the the division two championship we got to go to rockford illinois to play in the tournament so rugby has been like one thing that has really like opened doors i've traveled you know i've traveled all over the u.s and and one thing i learned about you know playing rugby is um disability does not discriminate and so what i mean by that is i play with a group of people you know same kind of similar situation, you know, they've had a traumatic experience or they're in a wheelchair or mm. amputees. And like, here I am, the Mormon from Utah coming to Vegas with all these other guys and we just become brothers, you know, I mean, we're just best friends, you know, and, and those people, like those relationships with my teammate, oh, they're, they're very valuable, you know. Oh, yeah. They're people that I probably never, never met or hung out with ever you know mm -hmm. and rugby brought us together that is so cool that yeah it's so funny because i was thinking of murder ball when i when i when you first told me that and i was like i wonder if it's like that so that's super cool how long have you been doing that i've been playing murder ball or rugby wheelchair rugby for about i want to say about six years Okay. And it's kind of hard, you know, living in rural, um, rural Utah. We used to have a team in Salt Lake and that's where I got introduced to the sport mm -hmm. is we were the Salt Lake Scorpions and now we're now the closest team is Las Vegas. So, uh, I'll, it's a four hour drive. So it's, I miss a lot of their practices, but then what, what, how we play the sport is, you know, how you get action as you go to these tournaments in different cities. So, you, you know, like they'll, I've been you know, all over the U.S. playing rugby. That's so cool. And so is that, is that what the blister's from then? Is it from playing the? Yeah, you have to, I mean, you have to, every player has a different strategy. But um, what I do is I'll tape hands to try to prevent any, any doors or anything. And I didn't obviously tape it good enough that tournament. But you'll you'll play so many games, you know, because you have to you have to play five games, and that was like at the end of a game, like how much I had pushed, like during that game, and how hard it was, and you know, just I just thought it's kind of you know, it, it's like an example of how intense the sport is, and how, but yeah, you, I mean, we have all these different strategies to push more efficiently. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that blister looked gnarly. <laughs> I was like, oh. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, as a matter of fact, I, I think the picture, and a... <laughs> yeah, and and these guys are all guys and girls. I'll say that too. I've had teammates that are females too. It's a co-ed sport. They're all people that like, not so much that they have something to prove, but they're like, don't look at me as disabled at all. Look at me and look what I can do, you know? Right, right. How long did, how long did it take you to write the book? Uh, it's kind of weird because I, I had had the outline ready written, but like I, 
never really could make that jump, you know. And, and so about two years ago, I'm like, I want to, I want people to hear my story. And I just kept saying, I've got this book, you know, written, but I, I, you know, I don't type, you know, very much other than just like on the phone. But mm-hmm. I finally just said, you know, I need to need to find like a ghostwriter. And of okay. all places, I, I went on Instagram just and found a ghostwriter and a company that would do it. And, and uh, you know, it was just really seamless process. You know, like I, I would, I would do just kind of like you and I are doing with my ghostwriter. You just interview, and I just tell him, you know, and I, I, he had my outline to work with. It's getting real right now. And then two weeks, I'm going to have a physical copy to put in my hand. Oh, cool. That will be pretty, pretty. I'll be pretty proud. That's awesome. I'm I'm so excited for you. And and I'm guessing before the incident in 2008, you probably hadn't thought about writing any sort of book, right? Oh no, I didn't I didn't write or read books. <laughs> I didn't read very much or write, you know, I was, I was just man, I was living a very fast-paced life and just busy at work and trying to help my parents with their farm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I never thought I'd write a book. I'll tell you that much. It's so interesting, like, the the twists and turns your life takes. Like, you think you're on one path, and then, I mean, I think you're a living example of, of something happening, and it, it shifts everything. Yeah, like I said, I mean, I feel like I've lived two lives, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, do you imagine the change from being able to do anything you felt was possible to now you got to do things differently. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying I couldn't do them. I just had to do them differently. Right. Yeah. No. And I think, I think that's a perspective that everybody can learn from and, you know, stuff doesn't have to be impossible. It's just, maybe we need to be more creative and how we accomplish something or how we go about doing something. So I'm just, I, I'm in awe of you. I'd love to like go camping with you guys. Like I saw your thing on Instagram and I'm like, we need to meet them one day. <laughs> yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. So, so what do you like to do? So you, you seem like an outdoorsy guy. So like, it, I know like you hunt dove, right? I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. My, my family in Arizona does that. And I'm a vegetarian. I'm the only vegetarian in my family. And I'm like, Oh, shucks. You didn't like shoot a deer today. Oh, darn. for me, you know, like, uh, I like to, I like to get out. I like to, I like to hunt things, but the reason I really like to hunt is basically not so much, um, the, uh, the hunting and killing, but it's like the relationships with my friends that are into that, mm-hmm. you know? And so like, really, I, I hadn't hunted before my accident. Oh, I've, wow. I've okay. hunted more things and more animals from a wheelchair than ever before, you know, oh, and wow. it mostly it was because one of my best friends at the time, he was the one that would be like, Hey, let's go look for deer. Let's go do this. And, you know, and I said, okay, let's go. Do you think that, because I, I know what I think, but do you think that, I mean, just this whole experience, like this shift in your life just really made you just like more open-minded to just new things, new experiences, doing stuff you'd never done before? Because 
you were having to do stuff you hadn't ever done before. Yeah, hundred percent. It's opened, it's opened up doorways that actually, you know, like wouldn't have been opened. You know, like I said, I, this last year I went to a tournament in rugby tournament in Kansas city, Rockford, Illinois, Vegas, and all over, you know, the U S and those, those opportunities probably wouldn't have came. They're just different. And you have to like, you have to say yes sometimes just to invitations. Yeah. It reminds me of that Jim Carrey movie. Did you ever see it called Yes Man, where he just decides yeah. to say yes? <laughs> it was pretty interesting, but I like I like the concept of just being open to just new things and seeing what develops from that. So I know we are running out of time. Um, I want to give you some space, Rick, to share whatever additional pieces of wisdom you want to share with anyone and then just let people know, you know, where they can follow you and, and kind of keep tabs on you and your book and all that good stuff. First off, I just want to thank you, Christy, for giving me this, you know, like opportunity to go on your podcast. It means a lot when people are willing to help me share my story. I'm a storyteller, you know, I like to realize that there is lessons in stories and and that's why I kind of my right now like my way to like help people is like I like to do things on Instagram that will make people smile you know so you know that's about it you know I don't have any more wisdom (laughs) I I just I just thank you for letting me share my story and you know and, and keep doing what you're doing, Christy, and your podcast. I'm excited for your opportunities too, you know. Oh, well, thank you. That's very kind of you. I appreciate it. So people can follow you on Instagram. It's Rick from Row. Right? What is Row? Yep. Well, I live in a town called Monroe. Oh, okay. So I don't know. I just kind of like, yeah. Okay. yeah Rick from Row. It's <laughs> I'm always like oh, yeah. intrigued by people's Instagram handles and where they, they originate from. So now I know I'm just so thankful for you. I'm so happy you reached out to me. Um, I'm so like, I'm just so inspired by you and your story and just the life that you're living. And I'm just happy you're here. So thank you. Thank you, Christy. I, I appreciate it. That was a pretty intense conversation right but in like I think the best ways um I really didn't know what to expect um in the conversation with Rick as I said I didn't know him really before he and I started chatting uh we've definitely exchanged messages on Instagram so I've gotten to know him in that sense but I didn't know much about his story and I knew that I would be touched and moved and inspired, but I didn't know how deeply. And, you know, I, I realized just once we ended our conversation, how, how moved I was, I really appreciate his willingness to share parts about his story that, um, were hard and, I'm glad that he made the choice to stay here with his wife and with all of us, because 
I believe the world needs him. And I love how curious he is about himself now. It sounds like that's different than how he was prior to this incident occurring back in 2008. And when I look at how he's been challenged and what he's worked through and pushed through and the realizations that he's had because of the highs, because of the lows, I feel like that puts him in a position to really be relatable. And I feel like when you are someone that another person can relate to, they're able to connect more easily with you. And even though I don't obviously have the same experiences as Rick, I can understand to a certain degree what he may have felt or what he may have experienced just because of, you know, my, my own personal circumstances. And I think his kids are so lucky to have him. I think his wife is so lucky to have him, but as I said, on the flip side, I think he's lucky to have them. I love that he is not allowing this to slow him down, that he's doing things that he wouldn't have done before because this experience and working through the challenges that he's been faced with, it got him to think differently about things. It got him to be more open-minded to new experiences and I think new challenges. And I feel like that's so much of what life is about because people's lives can look easy and simple from the outside, but you don't really know what someone is living with on a day-to-day basis, what they're experiencing, what they're feeling, all the stuff that they have just going on inside themselves. Like you don't really know, but if someone actually chooses to be honest with themselves and honest with other people about those hardships that they experience. I think most of the time we would see that we evolve, we grow from those experiences. And I think it's pretty safe to say that Rick has grown a whole lot from his and I think it's something he's going to continue to do. And I feel like we can all take some lessons away from this, whether it's finding something to do that will make you proud of you, whether it's being kind and showing thanks and appreciation to someone else. Maybe it's, starting your own red letter days and notating each day something that you did differently than the day before, something you accomplished today that maybe you didn't do yesterday. And maybe those letters are going to be capital letters and maybe they're going to be lowercase letters. But what I took away from this conversation too is like, acknowledge your steps forward However small you think they may be, they add up over time. I can't wait to read his book. 
I can't wait for you to read his book. I can't wait for so many people to learn about Rick and take what they need to take away from his story. If you enjoy this episode, I would love to know. I know Rick would love to know. You can follow him on Instagram at Rick from Row. His book, Red Letter Days, per Rick, will be available at the end of October. So as soon as that becomes available, I will actually have a couple copies and we will raffle them off. If you like this episode, I would love to know. Rick would love to know. You can follow him on Instagram at Rick from Row. You can send him a message. You can share the podcast in your stories. If you do, please be sure to tag me, to tag Rick. And if you do that, I would love to know something that you gained from this episode or something that touched you. And I know Rick would appreciate the same. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate it. I know Rick appreciates it. And I appreciate you choosing to spend some of your time with me. I know time is a resource that not many of us have an abundance of. It means a lot that you listen. It also means a lot when you follow, subscribe, heart, leave a review. That all means a lot to me too. (laughs) And if you do any of that, please let me know because I really would like to personally thank you because not a lot of people do that. And so if you are one of those people that do, or if you share the podcast, I want to know so that I can actually tell you, thank you. So if you have a story that you want to share, if you have an experience that you want to share, let me know. I would love to give you space to say whatever it is you want to say, to enlighten others, to entertain, to motivate, to inspire, to encourage. If you want to do any of that, I am here. Send me a DM at Awaken the Extraordinary on Instagram. You can send me an email, Christy, K-R-I-S-T-I at awakentheextraordinary.com. If you want to talk, you want to be on a podcast, I am here. And as always, before I close it out, stay kind, stay compassionate, and stay curious with yourself and others, and I'll talk with you soon.